definition of a loser is a person who focuses on the losses. And the definition of a winner is somebody who focuses on the wins. And I find that it's so much easier for some reason for us to cling to the ways in which we have been lacking in an area. It's so much easier to focus on the ways that we're dumb dumb or a loser rather than focusing on the things that we have to flex, like our, our ingenious towards culinary arts or our ethic towards working or our kindness, our compassion, our what comes naturally to us. Welcome to another episode of the Limitless Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Smith. And if you have not done so, hit that subscribe button so you never miss another podcast. And if you love this podcast and you want some more tips and tricks on how to improve yourself, go ahead and subscribe to my YouTube channel. There are tons of instructional videos there. You can find the links down below. However, before you go ahead and do that, my friends, I would like to have you stick around for a pretty cool conversation with another person I met in Richmond for the Enlifted event and very good vibes. Uh, the uh, Beth here, Beth and uh, well, the four, five other people that I got to meet you with were absolutely stellar, very kind, very loving, very compassionate. You brought some good vibes. Uh, it was great chatting with you guys. I really appreciate the rides everywhere. And, and yeah, so I just wanted to thank you very much for being here. So, Beth and thank you so much for having me um it was a, a gift to be able to experience you at the Enlifted experience um it was actually your hat that was the first thing I noticed and I was like I should talk to that guy and yeah so keep it going with the with the fun headwear absolutely will I think it's closer to becoming more of like a a little trademark kind of style thing so I'm okay with that I'm totally cool with that so the question that I love to open up the podcast with all my guests to kind of get the ball rolling is um, how is it, Beth, that you impact the lives of the people around you? I love that question. It's kind of challenging to like, because it feels a little bit like, you know, sucking my own dick. Say something else. It feels like fluffing my own feathers. <laughs> But um, <laughs> I've received <laughs> feedback in this realm a lot, and I do recognize this trait in myself now as being a very lighthearted and loving and humorous person. And I feel that, take out the feel, I, I bring an air of ease to conversations and to experiences that I'm a part of. Um, I've received the feedback that even when I walk into a room, I have sort of a presence and an air of gentleness and that that is powerful even if it is subtle because um, my favorite thing is being able to create a space where people whoever I'm around feels entirely safe to be themselves as I am safe to be myself I really like that it did pop out a little bit with the wi-fi but I believe that you bring Oh, I don't think there was a spot that really missed out. I think the guest could definitely get most of what you said. It didn't cut out for very long, but nonetheless, you grant you grant you grant yourself permission to bring your best self, and then other people around you are able to bring their best selves or themselves to you, and you provide that foundation, that pillar to be able to um, open up and create space for themselves. 
Is that, was I was that gifted. Good? That's Go it. I'm sorry about my audio. Uh, okay. I was gifted the term permissionary uh, by Jody. She's also in the Unlifted Network. And that is a term I feel resonates a lot with what I desire to bring and what I recognize that I bring is a, a permissionary edge to the conversation. Yeah. I really like that. For permissionary, because that's, I'm going to adopt that one. I'm just going to put it in my back pocket just as a cool word. I really like that. For permissionary, what does being a permissionary uh, mean to you? How does, how is it that you are that permissionary for yourself and for others? Absolutely. Yeah. So I immediately think of uh, my work environment. Uh, for some reason, I'm visualizing all of the people there. And I recognize that there is like almost this expectation of small talk that happens at work or out in the world where, I don't know, I just, I honestly kind of despise it. And I like to instead find interesting questions to like ask people about themselves or their current experience to try to just go a level deeper. And that provides like a space where I can also bring forth um, the deeper aspects of me. And even if the person I'm talking to isn't in a place to go there, I then give myself permission to express a more deeper truth or to go to an edge that maybe a person wouldn't normally go to an everyday conversation. And in that sense as well, I like to bring an air of silliness because like when you're asking people questions to invite them to go deeper, it can feel a little intense. So if there's a way that I can insert some humor or some joking or like some sort of, you know, humorous relief, um, I like to add that in when I'm connecting with others. I'm noticing that uh, the connection piece, the connection component is like my main like modus of operation. Like I just, I want to connect as fully and authentically with whoever it is that I'm around. Even if it's some dude at the bus stop with a ton of groceries, like what are the odds of me and this person being here at the same time in time and space? I might as well jump in and see if I can establish a connection with them. I really like that. Yeah, I, I've, I've recognized or I've recognized connection or being a catalyst, I, I consider myself a catalyst character. So I would imagine that per permissionary would fall under the same sort of like concept where being a, being the catalyst for someone to be able to shift the trajectory or just have a different thought process or a different impact. Or uh, I, I like to think of, or I like to aim to be a net positive in people's lives or behave in a net positive way. So it sounds like as a permissionary, you're uh, bringing the, oh yeah, yeah. You're bringing the childlike wonder to your conversations to go into more depth rather than shallow combos. And then that curiosity allows to, allows yourself and others to flow more freely. And then that can also ripple outwards to the, uh, the rest of the people, like that fella that was at the bus station with the groceries, you connect with that person, you may have changed the, traje the trajectory of that person's day. It could be down, and then you've created it and made it so that there was a catalyst for it to be up, or they are able to just have a cool story out of the situation. Hmm. Mm, random acts of connection. Mm. Yeah. 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 I really like that. 
something that uh we were chatting about before before um recording was what's been new and uh something that you said that i really liked was the equilibrium you're keeping an equilibrium even during chaos and i really like that i think that that's i think that's a i'm really big with embodying the dualities and it creates balance so if you can have so in my opinion when you can have an equilibrium while surfing through the tides of chaos then that is energy neutrality you're utilizing both ends of the continuum there is not only peace there's not only chaos you get a little bit of both how have you been surfing the tides of equilibriums and chaos yeah that's a great question it's been so super present i almost said sober super present uh this month for some reason november has been a doozy and um i had applied for a new job a while ago and I got the job it's in a uh, crisis work with youth in Milwaukee um, like mentorship for people who are kids who are experiencing varying degrees of trauma and it had been like a month and a half that I had gotten the job and it was kind of spotty communication so like when they told me it was time to start it felt very sudden and it just kind of jumped right in at the beginning of this month and on top of navigating being a new entrepreneur, and uh, I also work in assisted living, it felt like a balancing act of being like, okay, where do all of the pieces fit? And I find that this, uh, as somebody who's new to entrepreneurship and finding my individual mission, um, I find that often I'll have a routine down and then something will happen <laughs> that'll like shake it all up again. So I've gotten pretty good at finding balance from being the opposite. Uh, and the key components to that have been like opportunity thinking. So there's been moments where I've been like, okay, well, how am I going to, how are the bills going to get paid? Because now there's a lapse because of this job change, new payment schedules and all of that. And um, there can be a level, like a level of survival that can take over and I haven't been immune to it. It's still, I, I recognize it showing up in my body and how I behave and make decisions. Survival being like a lack mentality or feeling like everything's falling apart or I'm making the wrong decisions. That self-doubt starts to creep in a little louder. And a past version of me, when that would show up, I would make decisions from that place of scarcity. I would commit to things that I knew I couldn't commit to. I would over schedule myself and try to like pick up the slack. But now I'm realizing that it's essential in those moments, instead of feeding into this, like I have to rush to make everything happen. I'll slow down and be like, well, clearly I need like a day or like part of a day to just be a person and go for the super long walks and connect with my community and like refill my cup. And that gives me the fuel then to make decisions from a place of clarity. And mm. that's been like a huge, huge win for me uh, that I've recognized this month in just like trusting the unknown as something that's going to deliver me. I'm going to deliver me directly to where I want to be, regardless of the fact that I'm not sure of what the path is going to be to get there. And just trusting that I'm on the path 
even when the results aren't here quite yet. I freaking love that. For I got a question for you because it, it resonates real deep on this one. For the trusting the unknown and being aware that you're on the path, is it a conscious path that you're aware of or is it an intuitive pull towards what you might end up doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a great question. Right now, it feels more like an intuitive pull. Um, this job in crisis work has been a dream job for me for a while. And I actually had been like looking in an old journal and I wrote in like April of this year, like, this is what I want to do. And then I completely forgot about it. And because I was following this path of like, I want to be fully self-employed. And that actually was like a blinder for me because I was like blocking out these opportunities to do these other things that really fuel me. So in getting this job, which like, that was a super, I don't know, it, it was manifested for sure because they wanted a bachelor's degree. They wanted me to have a vehicle and like all of this experience, all of these things that I don't on paper have. And I got the job based off of what I do have. So it felt very kismet and perfect. But as far as like trusting this path that's unfolding, I, I can't tell you that it's like a path I'm like consciously following. It's just every day or like every week, I try to structure in what lights me up the most. And that's been my like barometer. Like, it, does this light me up? Does this feel regenerative to be doing? Because if it feels like it's regenerative, I'm aware that that is the correct path to be going on. And that's challenging because it goes against a lot of conditioning and like, uh, like responsibility. It feels almost irresponsible to be just like stumbling down the path, but it also feels like exactly what I need to be doing. So there's like a learning how to trust myself more than I need answers. Hmm. You know, so it's, yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. It very much resonates. It's like, I know I'm going in the right direction. I don't know. Things are piecing together pretty decent. Yeah. I totally love that. Um, I also like how you said barometer. Does this light me up? I think that's a uh, energy intake. Yeah. Yeah. Like an energy, like does this, does this fuel me up? Do I feel like refreshed? I think that's cool. So Crisis work with youth, new entrepreneurship, which I, I is you wanting to help people, I'm imagining, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and assisted living. Those are all very caregiving, permissionary, but very caregiving, um, empowering. I would say, I would say, definitely say caregiving. Like it would take a lot of, uh, or not a lot, but definitely a lot of compat or a decent amount of compassion. Um, attention to detail and a lot of involvement, I would imagine. Where does, where is your caregiving sourced from? Wow. What a good question. Yeah. Um, you know, the trials and pains that I've experienced in my life as a person, we all go through it. Um, I've, I've always felt this call to be of service in a way that's meaningful, but especially within the last like five years, I would say, 
Um, I recognize when I moved to Milwaukee that there's like, there's a lot of pain here. There's a lot of crime. There's a lot of people in situations that leave them uh, in kind of a disadvantaged category. And, you know, the assisted living component, I actually fell into that gig, uh, like on a whim. I just like signed up to be an activities aid. It was like a life enrichment role. And I loved it. And I left that job um, because the assisted living place I was working at was uh, like, I was witnessing some abuse of the elderly that I, you know, there was nothing I could do about it. I just, I had to go. And this new place, um, I'm now in, I'm serving. So I'm actually just like serving food, but it's in, uh, it's in dementia care, but the people I'm serving are still very with it. And I just started finding a lot of like, I feel so good talking to them, like having conversations and connecting with them, like these older people who have had, you know, a lifetime of experiences at their final place of living, they're so open and like willing to talk to me about anything. They're very open. And that's why I like that job. And I can't say like why I felt called to work with older people besides that I find it adventurous to see what comes up in conversation with them as somebody who's 27 talking to like 60, 70 plus year olds who have, you know, experienced all sorts of things that I can't even fathom and understanding also that there's like a loneliness I feel that is attached to uh, the assisted living spaces. Like some people have family that visit them. Some people don't. So I find that like the, I get to offer in that space, the best of me, like I get to offer my presence and my attention and that's easy. You know, that, that feels good. And I can see the way that it makes a positive impact on the lives of the people there. Um, In the crisis work component, it's like, these are kids. Some of them have experienced like unfathomable trauma. You know, I'm working with like 14, 16, 18 year olds currently. And I recognize like when I was a teenager going through my own trials and traumas, I didn't have the support that I needed to establish coping mechanisms and ways of thinking to like propel me into success as an adult. So these kids are at super crucial stages of their lives, you know, and like, I know that I can't fix or take away their pain, which was like hard for me to accept at first, Hmm. but I can be a positive like model of how to interact with the world and I can listen to them and I can hold the space for them to have their experience with, you know, knowing when to interject or drop some sort of truth for them. So they are set up to, you know, go into their adulthood, hopefully with a different pattern than they would be had they not had any intervention after experiencing what they did. Mm. So I find that that feels so good to me. That feels so fueling to me because the youth are our future and if I can go out into the hood in Milwaukee and help some kids to like shake off the conditioning of the environment they're living in and find their own source of power then we're we're sending off those kids to to make an even bigger impact themselves so that's what feels good in that realm for me and I I don't know it just I feel it comes from uh wanting to offer what I didn't feel like I received when I was that age 
you know, being able to make a difference and to show up. And it's so healing for me as well. That's cool. Uh, got an interesting question in both from both generations. So the youth as well as the elderly. So it's a two-parter, but you can answer one at a time. What has been one of the more insightful comments, conversations, or yeah, comments or conversations or a piece of advice from the elderly folk that you've interacted with? Cool. I love that question. Um, I actually just talked to, there's two men that I like to connect with a lot. Uh, their names are Dickie and Vladimir. And uh, Vladimir is- Those are awesome names. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're great. <laughs> and um, they love to connect with me. Um, they're actually very flattering often to me. And you know, sometimes I'm like, all right, guys, chill. But um, they were talking to me the other day about like, and this blew my mind. They just started talking about human consciousness and like mm. how the vibration that you emit attracts other people. And the reason they were saying that was because they were ex expressing that they feel uh, like at ease whenever I'm around. And that's how the conversation started. But like, they just started talking about how like throughout their lives, what they found to be the most important thing is like love and connection, regardless of like background or anything. And that's what they prioritize now. And one of the men, Vladimir, he was talking about how like in the medical system, you know, he spent years learning about like medications and like treating people using medications. And he was expressing that where he's at now, he understands that like the, and this is something, you know, I thought about a lot, but that medications are just like a bandaid on a deeper root problem. And he was expressing that the root problem he sees now in most people is lack of connection and lack of love. And he was expressing that like, the medications when you're just like numbing it out you're continuing to perpetuate which like causes more medication to be prescribed and perhaps a lifetime of illness whereas if we were to bring in the awareness of what is missing in your life and your heart as far as connection and personal fulfillment that's at the root of this illness or likely at the root of the illness that was great. Yeah, I got a solid chunk of little notes on on what you're saying. I love it. Good. Yeah, nice. I was like, I can't believe I'm having this conversation right now. I'll go get your burger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll be right back. Uh, now on the uh, other end of the spectrum, what, what's uh, how is, uh, in what ways have the youth you've worked with impacted you, or what insights or comments or yeah, what if, yeah, go with that. Yeah, um, I'm. so this is the first month I've been doing it and I've met three of my kids so far. And one of them, we haven't really connected much yet, but the other two, one of them is 18. Uh, she's pregnant and she's super excited about this next stage of her life. And the other girl is 14 and she's experienced some some like unforgivable things uh you know the, people are capable of many horrors but she uh this one girl I can't say her name but she is so open um she's so positive about her future and like what she's looking forward to and she's really had like 
some fucked up shit happened to her. So the impact that makes on me, it's like to see somebody in that position and knowing her backstory and like, you know, going to her house and seeing the conditions she's living in and still be able to recognize her like future focused forward momentum focused mindset is super inspiring. You know, cause like you could easily slip down a spiral of like self-destruction and doubt, but instead she's like so clear on what she needs. She asked us uh, last week, she's like, I want to switch schools because the people that are at her school reminds her of a stage of her life where she was violent or like acting in ways that are violent. So she's wanting to be like removed from that environment and put in a new environment so she can have her fresh start. And she's like vocal about what she needs. And I think that that's super important. Like, you know, this girl's only 14 and she's advocating for herself. She's recognizing the, the ways in which her environments are potentially, and maybe she doesn't realize it in this way, but she's like recognizing which environments are serving her or not and like asking for the change. So I found that to be very insightful just to bear witness to. Nice. Yeah, those are both great examples. It, you know, it, it really shows like from the whole timeline, like our whole existence, when we just happen to pop in and exist to from like youth all the way up, it's the same kind of, it's the same compassion, the same connection that everyone wants. And then I think that's cool as a really, as a common denominator in asking those two questions. You can see where it's like, it's, it's wanting the good. It's wanting to pursue the good. It's wanting to have good intentions and totally right where some folks will take, some folks will either take advantage of the opportunity or the obstacle, and they'll either grant themselves permission to prevent progress, or they'll grant themselves permission to progress. And it could go in either direction, but it comes down to like, to your point, the, it's not the circumstances and it's not the environment because you can choose to go into a different environment. Like, uh, the lady that you were talking about, and that's a beautiful, uh, I, I think that's a beautiful example of the ability or the power of choice and our ability to create a reality that is much more in alignment with where we want to be. And that's cool. And for the, for the was it the 14 year old that already is thinking i want to switch up schools change my environment yeah that's beautiful self-awareness i also think <clears throat> i also think that the that um experience is the route to wisdom and through wisdom we are able to create better discernment so we're able to make better choices with the more information the more wisdom that we have and it takes self-awareness in order to be able to um it takes self-awareness and discernment via experience to be able to have enough data and information to know where to pivot i find that people that don't even if it's travel like you can see it even if it's in some cases, the person that just wants, and there's nothing wrong with this. I'm just going to put this out there. There's nothing wrong with this meal, but the person that'll, and I just have my buddy, John in mind for this one, but the person that'll get the chicken tenders and fries, no matter where they go. Right. Mm -hmm. So you can always experience more than just chicken and fries, <laughs> chicken tenders <laughs> and fries. And when we, ex when we experience more things, then we have more information to draw from. And, 
um, this lady being able to create or to conjure up uh, a thinking process where she is able to recognize her environment is not healthy for her. And she wants to create an environment that's much more in alignment with her. That is wisdom via the experience that she has had. So she's able to think and process in a different way that I believe over the expanse of life, we all come to the same conclusions at some point. The only variable is when we come to that particular conclusion. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because of the way that we tell our, like my parents or like other adults in the world talk about the youth as like not knowing what they need. And I mean, in some scenarios, like obviously kids need guidance as they age, but then there's also this component of like, we should be teaching kids from the moment they're consciously aware enough on to be able to like trust themselves and their own intuitive notions to like provide themselves with what they need or to ask their caretakers, their environment to give them what they need rather than being like, you don't know what you need. But we, there's a lot of people that feed kids that, that narrative creates a lot of codependence, I feel, beyond adulthood. I completely agree with that. I, I would also tack on to that, that we cannot learn to be responsible. Irresponsible people cannot teach other people to be responsible. Responsible people can teach other people to be responsible. If people, if parents are codependent within themselves and they've been previously codependent on the grandparents, then there's a really good indicator that they are going to raise their kids the same way. And I have this theory. I think I said this on the last podcast too, but I have this thought process where until the day we choose otherwise, until the day we consciously intentionally choose otherwise, we will show up for our inner child the way that our parents showed up for us. And that could go along the spectrum of like positive to negative right? It, there's not, there's not a right or wrong. There's just, it is what it is, but I think where it is, what it, it is what it is, where it goes generation, generation, generation. And then when there's that conscious individual, that's like, you know what? I recognize that there is consistency across the board here. And I want to show up a little bit as more of myself. I want to pull myself out and be able to grant myself the permission to be able to change the direction and actually Ed Milet, are you familiar with him by at all? I'll, I'll send you some of his stuff because he's an, a really good entrepreneur and he like good vibes, good vibes. And he has like a huge heart and he's like jacked. Um, but he talks about being the one he's like, everyone, everyone that exists has the opportunity to be the one in their family lineage to change the trajectory of that lineage And of course, like after like so many, like there's going to be ebbs and flows. Like there's no way that anyone is able to create something that's going to be 500 years from now. Most people are forgotten like three months after they've kicked the bucket, but that's okay. As long as, as long as someone is conscious enough to think I am the one I can change the trajectory of this lineage or of the people around or something along those lines where it's. Yeah, I think that that's a really cool way of uh, thinking of it. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, it's the pattern breakers. And we get to make that call like every single day and every single interaction. Um, Do you resonate with that as far as like that being your role in your family lineage? 
Uh, I think I'm a, like an accumulation of a couple of different points. I don't, I don't think I'm, I don't, to my knowledge, like for my immediate family, cause I also, I'm like the only one from my family that's in the city. The rest of my family's East coast. I haven't seen them in 10 years. That's just me not going back. And that's on the goal list. Like I want to go back so I can show Kendra around and get her to meet my family and stuff. And then my brother's in BC. So for myself, I think, I think that my mom probably started it and then I'm just kind of like kind of encouraged a lot of stuff because she was in she was into a lot of she's really she's a really loving person like she's a very social person so I've been around her like my whole life and then she also likes to help people she wants she really enjoys being helpful and I think that, that I got from her I think she overall started it. And then I just kind of took the parts that I like and admire from her, the parts that I like and admire from my uh, father, and then also my stepdad, and then just created my own amalgamation and then picked things up and removed things along the way to create the character that I am today. Brilliant. Yeah. You've done a great job with your avatar. <laughs> Thanks. I've been, I've been working on it. Yeah. I also, I also think of it like we're existing in, in this temporary time where we have the opportunity to be able to have, like, we can play this game of life as we wish to play. And it's, and it's no different than uh, Skyrim's the one that I go back to. I was like a Skyrim addict, like hours. I slayed it. I probably had like six houses. I, I, I was crushing it. I was crushing it. But then what I realized is that those hours that I put in crush in there, I could have actually done and, you know, crush it in real life too. <clears throat> and I found that the only difference between video gameplay and then real life gameplay is the time horizon to accomplish objectives is a little bit and to acquire skills is longer. And I think that people are thinking where it could take 30 minutes to get that dopamine hit of accomplishing a goal in a gameplay. But let's say it was trying to get a house. It could take five, 10 years, more years in order to accomplish the same objective, but it's the time lapse that people are discouraged by. But um, I think of life the same way where there's a whole bunch of skill trees for a whole variety of different things, communication. It could go public speaking, podcasting, videoing, writing. Those are all different subtexts to communication skill tree. And I, I think that it's a cool way to play. I don't know. I enjoy it. And when you get to enjoy the game that you're playing, then it seems so much more fun. But a game is always frustrating when you really start it out. Yeah, definitely. Which you could attribute to like waking up to the fact that you're playing a game in the first place. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's crazy. It is so crazy. Uh, what was another thing that I wanted to put on there? There was something I made as a note. How is it? For your entrepreneurial journey, how is it that you want to impact the lives of people on that one? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I first became attuned to Reiki. That was like the first stage. And then I um, decided on the coaching path. And the vision for how I want to impact people's lives has changed so many times. Um there's so many nuances to being in this stage. And you know, when it first started, I was like, how should I want to 
impact people's lives. And I was like outsourcing that, like looking for what is the right way to do this. But now I just am focusing most on bringing people back to their, their own like internal source of power. And that's been my journey, you know, is coming back time and time again from outsourcing my power to, you know, my environment or my government or, you know, substances were a big one that I was outsourcing my power to. And then like diagnoses of like, you know, well, I'm just, I have anxiety or I have depression or I have ADHD and that limits me. And like being able to reclaim every little ounce of personal power. So like in my coaching, I want to help people identify what they do derive their power from, which comes back to the point of like, what, what lights you up the most? And then what's, what's actually standing in your way of, of like acquiring that vision. And a lot of it just comes down to people not believing that they're capable or like worthy or good enough to have the thing. So being like the loving permissionary I am when I'm like dropping into a session, it's like, I mean, we get to do the hard work of mindset stuff and language stuff, but then I like to dedicate a very solid amount of time to celebrating the person for who they already are and what they've already experienced. I really like that. I like that celebrating the person for what they've experienced and who they are. Cause <clears throat> I think that that, because if you're bringing positive attention to the past experiences, then those mental anchors probably alleviate a little bit more. So then it's actually reframing like, oh yeah, went through this or experienced this. How is this actually a positive or how did, what did it teach me to be able to do that? And looking at that as a win. And then I think more folks would be able to, um, I think more folks would be able to acclimate to joy. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like, it's, I guess it would be kind of like a vibe, like it'd be a frequency, but they're hitting the same frequency, but it's like when you first go someplace hot or you go first go someplace cold, you got to acclimate to the environment. So I don't see how people experiencing a joyful life for the first not the first time, but like understanding that there's been more points in time and then being able to pull the joy out of situations that may not have been the best. However, it taught like a really prominent lesson and built the character of the person. Then that's also beautiful to recognize because then there's no scarcity. It comes from a place of abundance. And then I think something that's kind of cool with that is when you're able to, mm, this is a cool thought, when you're able to reframe and readjust the perception to a perspective, then, then people can recognize that their past experiences, if they can tr shift those, then they can put more attention on the po possible experiences of the future. Because we experienced the things that we've had or gone through, or we've experienced life events and they are things that we've actually experienced. So it's just a lot easier to pull the past into the present. Creating a vision for the future is much more difficult. However, I think that reframing those past events is the training wheels into creating a future tense. Mm. 
Mm, exactly. That's tinkering That's around. That is a neat idea. It's like, you, I mean, to be able to propel yourself into the future you want, you have to be able to recognize where you might be stuck as far as your perception of how you showed up in the past. That's why I like to call it ebb and flow integrations, because it's like taking the highs and the lows and piecing them together to adopt a whole and to recognize that there's like nothing missing. Just like, how do you take these pieces of you that maybe, you know, didn't show up the way you wanted to in the past and these experiences you had and recognize the ways that those are actually your like superpowers rather than these limiting factors. I like that. I really like the ebb and flow integrations because it, it totally is. Yeah. Cause they're going to happen no matter what, but then we, it's kind of like what we were talking about beforehand, where it's about uh, having awareness and being intentional and conscious of what we're doing. If we're conscious of those ebbs and flows, then we're able to see consistencies and then we can adjust those ebbs and flows accordingly. I think that usually it's like high peaks or at least for myself, I experienced high peaks and low valleys, but with, I'm going to totally steal that with the ebb and flow integration. I it's been creating more of a nice tight wavelength rather than a peak and valley. It's like, wah, 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 rather than a wah, wah. Mm -hmm. So that would be like an ebb and flow integration where it's going to be up or down, but trying to get it is like, I call it energy neutrality as energy neutral as possible. Then you're going to have the least resistance on either end of the spectrum. So it's like, mm. so it can fast track. It's like a bullet train and it's removing stuff. It's very cool. Yeah. And the highs and lows will come too. I find that if there was a part of my like personal development journey where I was like, if I am, you know, once, once I'm ascended, <laughs> then I won't experience lows. Everything will be perfect and good all the time, but that's just like not reality. So it's like to, I like that like energy neutrality to be able to, uh, be like open to and receptive to every stage. It's like it's required to have mm. the highs and the lows. Yeah, I really like that. Open and receptive to. Just getting all the notes here. <laughs> That's the sweet spot. Thanks. Sweet spot of acceptance and detachment, healthy detachment. Yep. I think that that's actually, that's, I think that's a really, I think detachment was probably one that was most prominent for myself. And it was, it started with detachment of stuff because I was much more inclined to buying my way into appreciation and admiration and self-respect or being, feeling good. Now that was the external or how did you put it? It was an internal, internal source. Yeah, it was an external source of power, but it wasn't a lasting source of power. It was very short, short and sweet. Now it's an internal source of power. And that came from detaching first from stuff. I'm not very sentimental with stuff. There's like one thing, two things maybe that I'm really sentimental with, where if I lost it in a forest or not forest fire, but a house fire, I'd be like, fuck, that fucking sucks. But um for the most part, I, I think it would actually be the the decisions the decisions that were either consciously or unconsciously made about things because the decisions lead to our beliefs and beliefs are just things that we're either yeah we've made decisions about beliefs that are more often than not 
adopted from other people like parents, professors, politicians, preachers, and a bunch of other alliterations for leadership folks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good to be able to be in a place where you can, in real time, notice if a belief is like in alignment with who you're becoming rather than who you were like to be able to be at a decision-making point or to be even like speaking on something you believe and to be able to feel into your like body and see like if there's any dissonance between you and what you're speaking on or believing or like repping it's like is this still what I think you know and it's funny because like online virtually like I see people arguing a lot, like arguing their point and like with a ferocity, like the clinging to a belief. Whereas it's like, how can we create spaciousness for like both perspectives and dualities to exist at one time and maybe find a middle ground between you and the other person or between you and the version of you that you're becoming. Mm. Mm, I really like that. Uh, something that's helped me in my process of, um, discernment and figuring out or making sure making sure that I was behaving in alignment with the person that I wish to be that was a great I'm glad that you mentioned that it was great uh is and it decreases the ferocity of trying to defend things but I I believe that we what the banners that we are bound to we are obligated to defend so it's good for us to go through each of those banners or those beliefs with scrutiny and try to really like look through it and really try to break it down to what, in my opinion, bring it down to a point of good intention. So ill in good intention, ill intention. And those are the two where someone could say <clears throat> something that's blunt, where it's, it's very forward and the intentionality behind the words is what what changes the messaging behind the words. So if someone's saying something bluntly, but it's with well intentions, then it's going to rece be received with much more kindness. And I think that, yeah. And then, so th it's the intention. So if we have the intentions and then we, if we are going through the banners that we are bound to, then we are able to decrease the amount of banners. Cause I think we have too many people want too many things to be a part of. And by spreading ourselves thin, in my opinion, by spreading ourselves thin, we lose track of who we are because we're too busy defending all the things that we want to be a part of rather than thinking of what we really truly are or intuitively want to be a part of in my mind. Can you give an example of that, of how that could show up, like either for you or for other people? Absolutely. So a banner that I was bound to, for example, <clears throat> would be, uh, so the data that would go with the banner, the banner would be, I'm not that smart. The data to support the banner is not making it through grade two, uh, going through Sylvan Learning Center, having uh, learning issues, uh, and then being a part of the easier classes in high school, which I don't mind. Like I, I loved everyone that was in there. And thankfully, thankfully during this time where it was a lot more prominent, 
actually I'll, I'll switch that up. So the banner was I'm dumb or I'm not that intelligent or I don't have that much smarts or whatever it was. I was behaving in a way that would defend the banner. So mm. I would not try because I was defending the banner that I was bound to. So that's how a banner could get in the way of progress. Now I know, now I know that I am just, a. I just learned, I just did not have in that moment in time, the knowledge as to how I learned the most proficiently. So now I have an understanding of that. So I utilize that to my advantage. But then I also looked at the data rather than just trying to behave in a behave in a state where I was not, nobody wants to be dumb. So why would I want to support a lie? Well, if it's a lie, then there's an indicator that there's evidence to prove otherwise. So what was the evidence throughout high school? When I was going through these, through the, the classes that were like the not so smart kids, I suppose the ed heads, that's all I'll call us, <laughs> call us. That's another thing too. I don't think, yeah. Anyways, that was a different point, but for the ed heads or when I considered myself an ed head and then I realized because during the high school I was working uh weekends all the way through weekends close close and then one to nine on Sundays and then one time during the week my mom didn't like the one day during a week thing but I liked working like I was I was a worker like early on and for high school the data that backed up my non-smartness <laughs> was them having to for the professors to be able they had to take my social mark from 49.5 percent round it up to 50 so i can get one more point to get my diploma so at this point on the other angle i was doing my uh university or college apprenticeship hours for culinary arts while in high school. So even though my marks were not exactly the best, my work ethic and my capabilities in the real world, I had utility. So I found that it's like, okay, well, am I actually a quote unquote dumb person if I've also finished my apprenticeship hours for my post-secondary before finishing high school? That's an that's a dissonance. That's an incongruence. The evidence is not backing up the claim. So that is how you can be bound to a banner, but then you can reframe it and recognize it as it is rather than how I feel it to be or how I believe it to be, because we're going to behave in alignment with our behavior, our beliefs. Mm -hmm. So does that makes a great that example. Yeah, 100 percent. It makes me think of like being opportunity forward thinking like what are my strengths where are my strengths rather than like focusing on where are my weaknesses and enlisted uh the enlisted definition of a loser is a person who focuses on the losses and the definition of a winner is somebody who focuses on the wins and i find that it, it's so much easier for some reason for us to cling to the ways in which we have been lacking in an area it's so much easier to focus on the ways that we're dumb dumb or a loser rather than focusing on the things that we have to flex, like our, our ingenious towards culinary arts or our ethic towards working or our kindness, our compassion, our what comes naturally to us. And, you know, I could go on a rant and tangent about the school system and how it's not really built to celebrate kids. It's kind of 
more so built to teach kids how to comply and mm -hmm. like follow guidelines, but you don't have to go there. But it's, I like the banner analogy as in like, this is something that's been created that I hold over my head that I believe. And the opportunity with that is it can always be changed whenever I'm willing to reframe how I perceive myself to be now and where my strengths lie now. Exactly. Mm, that was, yeah, that was, very, that was a good insight. Thank you for that one. Nice. That's really good. Well, you know, with, with that note as well, uh, yeah, bring it down to a close because that was a freaking that was a good one. So, uh, before before I go into uh the last two questions, I have one main question. And is there anything that has to be said that hasn't been said yet? Whoa, <laughs> I okay, I'm not sure. The first thing to come to mind for some reason was like, I'm scared. <laughs> that is the first thought that came into my head. And the reason I feel like that came into my head is because there has been an underlying feeling of like fear in my life and it's healthy fear. And it's fun to think of fear as something healthy because I'm at my edge in a lot of areas of my life. And the fear is not something that's deterring me from the path. It's actually fueling the path because I know that that fear exists because I'm stepping outside my comfort zone in a lot of different areas. And my focus is on growth in all areas. So thank you, fear. Oh, I have on my whiteboard uh, right over to my left. It says fear, feeling excited and ready as a little Ooh. reframe. <laughs> I, I have one as well. Uh, fear is false evidence appearing real. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. 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 That's good. I'm glad that you're, I'm glad that you're moving towards, and I'm going to reframe fear into excitement because the same physiological responses. Uh, but I'm glad that you are excited for the fearfulness that you get to have. I'm alive. You are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. So on the note of being alive, going into one of my final two questions. And before I go into those, uh, where can people find you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm on Instagram. I feel that's the best way to like see what's going on in my sphere, what I have to offer and to keep in tune with uh, future events, whether that be virtual or in person here in Milwaukee. But my handle is ebb and flow integrations. And there is a period in between each word. And I also have a GoDaddy site that's ebb and flow, ebb and flow. With and it's the N, it's not an and. Yep. And you can sign up for a free call with me to get connected and explore each other's minds. So always down to do that. Very cool. All right. So going into the final two questions. Oh, I love these. For context, it is the end of your days. No content exists. Uh, this podcast doesn't exist somehow it just like fluttered away. No content exists. Your Instagram, nothing, nothing at all. You're surrounded by the people that you care for. What piece of advice would you pass on? Hmm, that's such a good question. Pleasure is the most reliable, like, 
not barometer, the most reliable compass for your path forward. And I feel that, you know, pleasure in itself, I don't mean pleasure seeking behaviors like drugs and substances and porn and uh, outsourcing your power, but pleasure as in like, what makes you feel lit up and excited to be alive, whatever is the most fulfilling to you that is correct. And the more that you follow that pleasure compass, the more you will be able to trust yourself. And the more you're able to trust yourself, the more you're able to trust other people. And then we can influence each other to be our most powerful selves. That is awesome. That's a great message. So the final question, the best version of you is sitting next to you right now. What piece of advice does she give you for this season of your life? Oh, she would tell me to continue the building of my community outside myself. Um, there's been a lot of focus on my own personal development. And at times that has caused me to want to be more hermit-like. And this year, especially, I've been noticing that as my community expands and grows, I feel the most in alignment, the most excited and the most collaborative. And as we can do all the personal development work we want and entrepreneurial work and making our impact, but what is the most important is that community and that place where you can show up and share time and space with the real world people who are also making a difference in your life. Damn, yeah, that's some good advice. Well, folks, that's what I've got for you in today's episode. And if you love today's episode, please do me a favor right now. Take a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories and tag me with my handle at Dapper Dude Kyle, along with at Ebb and Flow Integrations with periods in between each of the letters. And check out ebbnflow.com to well check out Beth's stuff. See how it goes. See if it resonates. See how she can assist you and help you into bringing your most authentic self out with purpose and compassion and how to create an equilibrium during chaos. But that is one of the ways that we grow. So until next time, please keep up the kindness and I hope your day treats you as good as you look.